I'm calling them uh, recency bias fans. Okay. Okay. okay? Right. So um, that's yeah. that's what New England. So I, like I don't that. think they're the worst fans in football. I think they're the most bandwagony fan base in football. Yeah. All right, everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another edition of Chasing It, episode three on the season. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. Chase, we got a lot to get to this week. We got some major contract news, but unfortunately, I think we have to start with something that happened in the Monday night game, which was uh, the devastating injury to Nick Chubb. And you knew it was bad when uh, Joe and Troy calling the game on ABC uh, basically said, we've seen the replay and we're not showing it. And your heart just goes out to a guy like Chubb, who is literally the one of if not the best running back in the NFL and his season is likely over now well and you see in a bunch of injuries already through two weeks and none more important to a team to the NFL to anyone than than Nick Chubb And and the thing about Chubb is like not only is he one of the if not the best running backs in the National Football League but he is probably one of the most well liked guys in all of the NFL the dude is just a guy's guy, super nice, super friendly, uh, consummate pro. And, and when something like that happens, and we've talked about this before, unfortunately, last week a little bit, like something like that happens to a star player like that, it just gets America's attention in a way that, hey, it humanizes us. Because, like, yeah, yeah. like, of course, like, he's lost for the season. It's his job to play, uh, you know, football. But what I don't, what I, like, I want people to understand is like the dude's got a long road ahead. I mean, yeah. I've never seen, I've never seen anything like it, where ESPN goes and they don't show the replay, like out of respect, like applauds, like claps to whatever ESPN for doing that. But I mean, you could feel the air come out of the Cleveland Browns, and they were in it for a while. But not only the football aspect, but like, do, like you got to be looking if it's his. I mean. It's the same knee he hurt in 2015, and yeah, it's already and that's been the biggest once. thing. Yeah. And it's already been rebuilt once. Not only are you are you thinking like, hey, can he come back? That's probably the least of your worries. Like, is he going to be okay? Can, will he be able to walk normally? Again? I mean, because you never know with injuries like this, they can sort of compound over time. Especially he already had it repaired once. Yeah, and, and you know, th- th- there's there's three sides to this, right? There's the there's the football side to it. There's yeah. the personal side to it. And then there's, you know, the financial side to it, because the, the debate this entire offseason is that why aren't running backs getting paid? And, and you know, GMs and, 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 and head coaches and, you know, talent evaluators and player personnel guys are hesitant because of the severity of injury rate yeah. at the running back position. And it's not disrespectful to Nick or to Saquon Barkley to talk about this, because I think it puts into context why there are so many concerns. I, let me be, let me just make sure we all understand. Nobody is hoping for anything but great things for Nick Chubb. I hope yeah. the knee can come back to where it was after the first time it happened. I hope he comes back and gets a huge payday. I because he's he deserves it because he's been extremely productive. But the hesitancy is there. That injury happened uh, the, the Monday night, the same day where we learned Saquon Barkley, who got a minimal pay increase, is going to miss three games. And but I mean, this is. This is why it it would be foolish to not look at the reality of the situation while at the same time hoping for the best possible outcome for everybody. But when people say, well, why aren't they getting this? This this is why, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, look, the NFL, the injury rates, 100 percent. Right. And with running backs, I would say uh, it it can't be higher than 100 percent. But like this is I mean, you hit it right on the nose, Trey. It's like this is why running backs across the league and led by Austin Eckler were zooming together, trying to get an alliance together, trying to get everything they could possibly do to make sure that they get more money because they are getting devalued. And this is the situation, unfortunately, with Saquon, with Chubb. This is why teams don't want to do it. And of all the days, right, the grievance was filed um, with the NFL or the NFL against the Players Association, like, hey, stop trying to collude and and all this stuff. I I haven't really read it, but I know that. And then this is the day that a superstar running back goes out, like just horrible timing and – I mean, yeah. wish, wish Chubb all the best, but it, this is exactly why the fight is going on. I mean, it, and it wasn't even a dirty hit. That's the thing. It no. wasn't even a dirty hit. Like, it's just playing football. No. When you run no. in between the hashes, when you run in between the tackles, like, stuff's going to happen. These, these are grown men going 100 miles an hour. I mean, every time they're getting hit, 
every time it's like a car wreck and it's not even like yeah. something bad like this like it looked like his knee was completely like on the other side of his leg like it's just it's yeah. just ugh. It's hard to watch. It's awful. And, and it also weirdly happens on the same day that the new contract situation comes out for Patrick Mahomes. And for those that have been living under a rock or have been <laughs> shut off from social media for four or five days, it's not a new contract. It's a contract restructuring. Air quotes restructuring, yeah. which means we're just yeah. we're playing with money. Okay, that's what yeah. it is. We're playing with money. But the end result is... He's still under this 10-year, $450 million contract that he signed in 2020, but they restructured the money, so he's going to get $210.6 million guaranteed through 2026, from 2023 to 2026. And I'm so stupid, Chase. When you put on the text for the show, you said 52.65. I'm like, what the hell is 52.65? And then I went... Ah, let me do the math. Okay. Yeah. Divide <laughs> so, it by four and you get 52.65. Like, yeah. Ba- Baylor education didn't really help me there. <laughs> uh, so basically he set the standard now. $52.65 million per year over the next four years. And Chase, the weird part about it, by doing this, it freed up cap space for the Chiefs. Yeah, imagine that. Brett Veach, you're a, you're a wizard. Um, yeah. GM, like, like unbelievable. And, and honestly, like we, we knew this was coming. Um, we knew that it was going to happen because he, I think he was like ranked eighth in APY average per year, uh, for a quarterback. And then he goes and resets the market. And in essence, it's a four year, $210.6 million deal fully right. guaranteed. And let's be real before this deal ends in 2026 or whatever it is, they're going to renegotiate it again. So when right you know, my, my, my thing was like, when Patrick signed the 10-year deal, I know he was going after his father and he was doing a baseball-type deal, but the market and the salary cap changes so much so quickly, especially with the new TV deals. Like I, I, I said to some of my friends, I'm like, dude, he signed a 10-year deal. Two or three years from now, it's going to be completely undervalued. He was in the, barely the top 10. And, I mean, honestly, though, it's a win-win deal for both. And but honestly, you could sign Patrick Mahomes to a seventy-five million dollar a year contract, and it would still be a win-win. Like Preach. like the Chiefs, Preach. like like the Chiefs could pay him hundred million dollars a year, and there is no body in the league who means more to a team, to a franchise, to a fan base, to a sport that's the most popular sport in all of football. So Patrick Mahomes, go and get yours, man. Well, look, let's just be honest about it. Okay, he's the best player in football. He's the best player in football, and he plays the most important position in team sports in this country. Mm. Like, there's, there's no more important position yes. in team sports, in the sports that we enjoy in the United States, than quarterbacking an NFL team. And he's better at it than anybody. So that, that's simply yeah. it. Um, yeah. So we had the double-dip Monday night thing, which, by the way, i got to say, I hate. I don't like it. I don't like it. I hate it. And here's what yeah. I love. I, I understand why ESPN and ABC love it, because they get to dominate the airwaves, and they're doing it again with two more next Monday night. Here's yeah. what I can't figure out is why the NFL thinks this is a good idea. Because yeah. you, have, you have a standalone product. Like I think I saw the ratings for CBS uh, for the first two yeah. weeks of the season. They're, yeah. they're off to their best start in like 13 years or 19 yep. years. It's a ridiculous... It's a ridiculous number. So if you're the NFL and you have this product, which everybody wants and everybody will consume if it's a standalone, why do you have these games competing against each other for attention? I get why ESPN and ABC love it and Disney loves it. It makes no sense to me why the NFL loves it. Yeah, I mean, the NFL, it, it, you know, when you sent that in the group, I, I couldn't agree more because I'm like, First of all, not only as a fan, it's difficult mm-hmm. to watch unless you have two TVs, right? Like, I want to see yeah. both of these games. I know they were only spaced out by an hour. You know, we have the best time zone out here in the West Coast, I think, because the game sure. starts at 4. So, it's not like a late Hawaii, night. Hawaii, the games <laughs> kick off at 7 a.m. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you're up and you're done with the day by, like, 2 p.m. after all the games. Uh, it's it's, all it's the best thing in the world. But, like, like I just I, – I found it a hard time. Like, I turned on the – the early game with the, the Saints yeah. and the uh, Panthers. And as I was taking my kid to, to basketball and I'm watching it, and all of a sudden the other game comes on and I just turn that one on and I, don't, I just completely forget about the, the Saints-Panthers game. So they're eating into each other's ratings. Like, if I'm the NFL, like, just put maybe another Sunday night game on a different network. Like, I just don't get yeah. why there's the same Monday night. And we're, we're getting it again this, this Monday. As, a fa- as just a fan, like, I didn't like it because I was hard to, to balance both games. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I get it. It's a huge win for Disney and ESPN and ABC. Yeah. I just don't understand why the NFL thinks it's a win for them. 
Um, it's all so about we'll the money. About well, speaking of that, I, before we move on, uh, JJ Watt put something on on Twitter. I'm never going to call it X, by the way. Just so you know, I'm never calling it X. It's Twitter that they're trying to rebrand as X, whatever. It's Twitter, okay? Um, I, you know, TJ had that great pick six that sealed the game, or you know, that made, or whatever. You know, basically took care of the game for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they bounced back after a horrible, the worst home loss in Mike Tomlin's era, week mm. one uh, against San Francisco. And JJ put out, TJ Watt is the best defensive player on the planet. Stop trying to question it. Stop trying to justify anyone else. He is the best. Period. Now let me say, I can't say he's wrong. Okay, yeah. I can't say yeah. he's wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I think if your last name is Watt and you're tweeting this. You have to understand the inherent bias in what you're saying, okay? And JJ, we love you, and we, we want you, you on the show. We love you. So I responded, and I want to get your take on this. I responded to, to JJ this way. I said, they, I think there are six dudes ahead of everyone else right now in terms of defensive war daddies. Because I think you have yep. to be a, a D lineman or an edge presence or an edge rusher to really be that special. That's how you take right? over the game, no doubt. No doubt. Exactly. So this was my list. I said, I think there are six dudes ahead of everyone else right now. I put TJ first because I didn't want JJ, JJ mad at me. <laughs> Don't get mad. We want you on the show, bro. Come on the show. I said, TJ, Micah, Bosa, Donald, Miles Garrett, and Chris Jones. Reasonable people can have differing opinions about how those six rank without it being a justification. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't, I'd almost, I, I honestly, like, it, did you rank them in order or were they just No, no, random? I just, I just, well, no, I, I put them randomly except I, wanted, yeah. I put TJ first yeah. for a very specific yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah not mad. But reason. honestly, like, I would, I would almost, like, the order you just listed, like, I yeah. would almost put Micah at, at the front of that just because. Again, JJ, that's that's Chase Daniel yeah. saying that. That is yeah. not me. That is well, Chase. You're angry at it. Is not me. I would say I would say from just purely an offensive coordinator game planning for these guys. Yeah. Micah lines up like 19 percent of the time. I saw some stat. 19 percent of the time, he's at a different spot. Really, Watt plays on the edge, and they might right. come inside on some spinner. And, and, and rush the passer, passer, but Micah is, I mean, the way, I mean, bo- let's be real, both of them amazing. And it's yeah. 1A and 1B in my, my opinion, but I would go Correct. Micah just from a pure game planning perspective. Like, yeah. But now, TJ, I mean, the, the, the year he's having already, defensive touchdown sack, he's 28 years old. Okay. Yeah. And he has eighty-one and a half or eighty-two sacks. He's already he's the, the, he's already the franchise the leader. Yeah, he's already the he's franchise leader. He's the leader, leader in the clubhouse yeah. for the franchise. Like what? Yeah. So I mean, I saw. I actually did see that tweet, and I'm, I'll never call it X. I, I agree with you. It'll never be called X in my mind. But I saw the tweet, and it had like five million views. I'm like, anything JJ Watt puts out there just yeah. gets astronomical views. Yeah, he gets traffic. Yeah. So, uh, in your opinion, as a guy who tried to avoid being killed by these people uh, during the game, did I miss anybody presently? And again, we can go like body of work, but I'm saying right now, playing right now, is there anybody that you thought I missed on this list? TJ, Micah, Nick Bosa, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, and Chris Jones. Is there anybody I mean, that you can think of? No. From a, from a D line and linebacker 3 4 D line edge rusher presence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I thought. I thought Joey Bosa, what he did on Sunday was impressive because coming off the yeah. injury, getting in there, he had eight, he had eight uh, plays and two sacks. So, yeah. like, I don't think he's on a level of that because he's been hurt, but that might be the only – another Bosa, yeah. the brothers, right? Like, another yeah. Bosa that you, might, that you might add to the list. But, I mean, you nailed it. You nailed it, bro. Well, thank you. I mean, like, look, if Von, if Von Miller's healthy, I put him on that list, but maybe not now at the back end of his career. And there's guys like yeah. Rousseau uh, that, is, that are doing really good things for Buffalo. But I think these guys, I mean, you saw, and we'll get to this in a minute, but you saw how, how much Chris Jones dominated that game against Jacksonville. It was insane. I mean, the things that was did. crazy. It, when, when, we, when we would come in on Monday, uh, on Monday mornings for film study, right, we, we would watch yeah. the, as quarterback, if, say I'm on a team, we would watch the previous game, and we would go through, and then the only thing we would get would be an advanced scouting report, okay? And I want to let yeah. people in on this. And, and so the advanced scouting report, if we're, if we're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay, the, the L.A. Chargers are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers next week, what they would do is they would give us a piece of paper, 
and it would have the depth chart and it'd be like little bitty circles height weight speed maybe some stats from the game and it would look like hey here's a four two five nickel here's a four one dime here's a four three three four base defense and it had every name and it have the backup name, and they would be color coded okay yeah. so a gray would mean a there's not enough information at all that'd be like a practice squad player there'd be right. a yellow and a yellow would be or sorry there, there'd be a yellow and the yellow would be like ah uh, average to below average starter a red would be um, your above average starter to a pro bowl player. And then ever so often, it would be like a ship passing in the night. You could barely find them, but there would be this blue dot, okay, on a all these dot. scouting reports. And the blue dots were once-in-a-generation players, like the best player at the position. And these guys did never ne did not very well hand out these blue dots. And sure enough... The last blue dot I saw was when we played the Steelers, and it was TJ Watt on the yeah. scouting report. Like, we, yeah. we were watching these scouting reports going by, and you're like, are there any blue dots? Are there any blue yeah. dots? Because it's what the scouting people and the whole organization thinks. And sure enough, yeah. it was All a right, blue so, dot. So blue dot Watt. There you go. I like blue that. dot Watt, baby. All right. All right. So, again, JJ, we love you. We want you to come on the show. I just thought maybe – you might understand that you have more bias in this conversation than somebody else. Just, just wanted to throw that out there. All right, so we have, we have now finished two weeks of the, of the NFL season, and we have some 2-0 teams, and we have some 0-2 teams. So I want to get your perspective on this. Let's start with the 2-0 teams, and there's a few of them. Is there a 2-0 team that's off of this great start that you're like – I'm not sold. Which 2-0 which team right now do you trust the least? Because for me, I think it's pretty obvious, but I want to make sure that I'm not missing something. Oh, obvious. Oh, now, now you're putting the pressure on me. I mean, I went through it this morning, and to me, it's the Bucks 2-0. Yeah, Bucks. I'm, no, I'm 100% with you, 100% with you. Like, I mean, like, I, like it's, not, it's nothing that they've done or haven't done. It's just, it's the Bucks, And it's, right. it's Baker Mayfield, which I... Listen, I hope he has a career resurgence, but like this is his third team. This is his, you know, fourth usually team. his first round picks. Fourth, fourth okay, see, fourth there you go. team. Fourth yeah. team. Usually don't get four chances, right, yeah. with a first round pick, but the way he's playing right now, it's impressive. That defense um, is fierce, but it's it's the box, right? Like, it, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, they, they have a chance. How does the NFC South have three 2 0 teams? Like, that to yeah. me is crazy. Like, I was, it was between the Bucks yeah. or the Falcons. I think the Falcons yeah. can run the heck out of the ball and like Arthur Smith, but I'm going Bucks. Dude, that Bijan Robinson is ridiculous. Like some of those plays. But how about the balls of Arthur Smith, by the way? Uh, you know, it's for what? whatever. Like a, a chip shot what? field goal wins the game for you. And he's like, F it. I mean, F it. We're yeah, doing it this I, way. If they get. And did you see the reaction of him on the sideline? There was a reaction right yeah. before it was snapped. It was almost like, mm -hmm. like Desmond Ritter was not supposed to snap the football. He goes like this. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, snap, and they run an off tackle play. And I'm like, oh. I was like, did did I just see what? I mean, because like, yeah. balls of steel. Like, I'm just like, what in the world? Yeah, and that, I mean, that, luckily that it worked out for him. But Bijan's real, dude. That guy has burst. He has absolute burst. Um, and I love him on a rookie contract. Let's be clear. Yeah. Um, so you're okay. the, you're the Bucks too. I think I'm the Bucks. I think I'm the Bucks. I, I would. I, I I think. And here's here's why. Because I think there's. I don't know what Desmond Ritter's going to be yet, but he's off to a really good start. Um, yeah. But I think there's a lot of he has more weapons to play with than Baker has in Tampa Bay, right? Outside of Mike, Mike Evans, though, Mike Evans, Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mike okay. Evans is yeah. legit. I mean, he's 100 percent legit. But I mean, like outside yeah. of that, I'm not sure what else yeah. I have. I'm okay. glad we're in so, agreement. Yeah, we're in agreement there. So, which 0 and 2 team do you trust the most? Because I think this is first. interesting. You go um, first. I want to say Cincinnati. Okay, I want to say Cincinnati because. Okay. They they started 0 2. By the way, it's the fourth time in the last five seasons they've started 0 2. Wild to me. And you know, last year they made it to the AFC Championship game, and depending on whether you thought that was a good foul or not, and it was a foul, so you you have to call it. <laughs> I mean, you could say we should have gone to overtime for the second straight year. Maybe go back to second straight Super Bowl. Whatever. <laughs> here's here's my only hesitancy with the Bucks. Burrow's calf injury. Okay, if he's they don't know if he's playing next week, yeah. and you know the calf yeah. injury to me is kind of like. Last year for you, Justin Herbert's fractured rib cartilage. That happened in week two, and let, let's be honest, he wasn't right the rest of the year. Just like, lingers. Yeah, it's just there the entire time, okay? Yeah. So I, I want to say Cincinnati based on their track record and their personnel, but they're 0-2 and a Burrow misses two, three games, and they go 1-5? I, I have legit concerns 
Yeah. So, so, so who's so your team? I, I, well, I, I have to say Cincinnati, but I have a big <laughs> freaking asterisk next to it. Now, I'm Cincy. This, I'm Cincy. This, this big ass has a big asterisk <laughs> next to it, okay? <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm Cincy. I'm Cincy because been there, done that. But yeah, you make a great point with Burrow, and honestly, no one knows. Like to me, it it didn't it didn't look right in the Cleveland game, and it just it looked like when he I, I when I was watching it live last game in week two, yeah. like against the Ravens, I thought there was no way he was coming back in. Yeah. So like I know I know I know that Zach Taylor said, hey, listen. He was going to go back in. Joe was like, I'm going to go back in. And all of a sudden, they change tunes on Monday and say, oh, I don't know. We're looking for it. And who's the backup quarterback there? Jake Browning? Yeah. Is that, is that who it is? Like, like we don't – I think that's it. It's, like, we're it's a guy. It's yeah, a it's guy. a guy. And so, yeah. you have all those weapons. I, I mean, yeah. I, it's Cincy, but Asterix by it if Burrow plays. Because they, they did it last yeah. year, and they'll get rolling. But it's just like – that's another thing – it just it, our defense is getting better early in the year, or offenses getting worse. Like that's the question I want because all these teams that we thought would be tearing up the scoreboard, it's just not happening this year. Well, yeah, I I do think. Look, there's always a cycle, right? And I think NFL defenses have have sort of adjusted a little bit, but I think defense. It's like pitching and hitting early in a baseball season. Uh, I think pitching is always sort of an advantage because until you get into more of a rhythm when you're hitting, and I think the same way yeah. happens with offense. I think it's easier. Yeah. Like when we get, what team we're going to talk about very quickly that has had a bunch of change. They're not pumping on all cylinders yet because I think it takes reps, which you don't get anymore because the practices are limited in That's training camp. That's the bigger camp. issue. And, yeah, uh, the so limitation you're, you're of not, practice. Yeah. Correct. Correct. All right. So one team that is 0-2 that we didn't talk about, which is one of your old teams, and that is the uh, Chargers. They are now 0-2. And if you go back for the last three games, Chase, that the Chargers have played, okay, the last three games, this is what it is. Blow a 27-point lead in a playoff game. Have a lead against the Dolphins at home, lose it. Have a lead on the road against Tennessee and lose it. Brandon Staley, I know you love him, and you've defended him many times to me privately, publicly, while you were playing with him, after you stopped playing for him. How hot is that seat right now? I mean, it's it's got to be pretty hot, right? I mean, you're going. You, tell you go me. zero and three. You know the organization. Yeah, I mean, you tell listen, me. listen. I I I don't think the Chargers are one to make a move and make a change in the middle of the season, right? Like, mm-hmm. but I will say, their bye week is week five, and they're zero and two. They play the Vikings, and then who do they play in the week four? I mean, there's a there's a possibility they could be. If they're zero and four, like everything's on the table, right? With this offense, yeah. we, you've gone all in, Kellen Moore. I mean, the offense is, I mean, hitting on all cylinders right yeah. now, and it's the defense that needs to be, you know, caught up. And I think Staley, it's just it's a tough situation because at some point, like you look at you look at the Jacksonville game, and he got testy with the reporter on it, and that's yeah. that's outside his like thing like he doesn't ever do yeah. that like he's an upbeat like positive guy and I think it was just wearing on him the loss he's like how do you think the locker room feels like like of course we're down and dejected like yeah listen it's part of your job to to answer questions from the media but you look at the Jacksonville game like to me that was like I mean yeah we lost the game but that was a that, that was a fluke like in my opinion like it's the biggest comeback ever and there's only so much listen there's only so much you can put on the head coach for that. Eventually, sometimes the players got to have accountability. Then you go to the first game. The Dolphins look like to me, and maybe we talked. But they they look like to me the best team in football, like offensively. They might be. They might and, be. and they might be. And so you barely lose that game. You, you have a two minute drive. You don't go down. And then what I liked about this last game is that like Tennessee, listen on the road should have won the game. Uh, Justin, I thought Justin played the best game of the season so far. It's only two games. And then they go down. He actually drives them down for the two-minute drill. And they, they, they kick a field goal to get in, uh, to, to get into OT, and then obviously lost in overtime. So it, it's not like these losses are embarrassing. Other than the, the Jacksonville loss, it's not like these losses are like, oh, my gosh, we completely screwed it up. We completely did everything. But it comes with the territory of being an NFL coach. I say all this because I'm like, the, the seat is hot. Like, the dude's yeah. got to win, like, ultimately. Like, that's what you're judged for in, in the NFL as a head coach is wins and losses. Yeah, it's not a try-hard league. It's a result league. Everyone tries hard. Yeah. So, like, it's all great. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, pro- the problem, Chase, for, for the Chargers is there is a pattern here, right? Like, 
Yeah. Do, we, do we want to talk about every Thursday night game against the Chiefs at SoFi Stadium? You know, hey, we're in it, but we somehow lose. You know what I mean? Like these things, <sighs> these things tend to happen with this. Again, yeah. the Chargers. I mean, to me, it's on brand because this is who they are historically. 2010. Yeah. People forget. 2010, the Chargers had the number one offense and the number one defense in the NFL statistically and didn't make the postseason. Like, that's, that's almost that's impossible. Crazy. That's, that's because their, their special teams were 33 out of 32, but that's a second issue <laughs> time. But, but I, I agree. I, I think that it, it's getting late early for Brandon Saley. Yeah. Tom Telesco yeah. is a friend of mine, the GM. You know. He, he's, yep. I mean, th- there's a lot of money and there's a lot of investment with the Chargers yeah. in the quarterback and in the in the people that they picked up in that stadium, you know it it needs to pay off really soon, yeah. and yeah. it may not be with Brandon Staley if the results don't flip. All right, so we, we talked a little bit about this uh, earlier when we were talking about defensive players, but the, the Chiefs got their first one of the season, then their second one on Monday when they signed Mahomes to that contract, and it was a really <laughs> team friendly deal. Um, but. I, I think that people need to understand something because I've already heard it from a million people, okay? Well, they only scored 21 Thursday night opener against the Lions. They only scored 17 uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. The Chiefs miss Eric Bieniemy, who, is, who was the offensive coordinator in name and in title and is now has the same job in Washington and he's doing a great job in Washington with Sam Howe. Mm-hmm. They're off to a great start, 2-0, that miraculous comeback against Denver. But Chase, you know Matt Nagy. He was your head coach when you were in Chicago. You obviously know Andy Reid because you were with yeah. him in Kansas City. When you hear people say two games into the season, the Chiefs miss Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator, you say what? I say absolutely not. Like no, 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 not not one bit. I think I listen. I loved Eb. Eb was um, when I was there, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. He was a running backs coach, and you could just tell, like in his demeanor, it, like he was going to become an offensive coordinator. I, I still don't understand why he's like he's interviewed for a lot of these head coach jobs. Like this is going to help him. What he's doing with Sam Howell early in the season, like it's just going to help him, and that's ultimately why he left to go do his own thing. But I was with Nagy too, and he was a first time coach. Uh, in 2013 when I was there in the quarterback room with Alex Smith. So he was the, the quarterback coach for me for three years, obviously played for him for two years. Like, Nagy's not the, Nagy's not the problem. And it's an easy, easy storyline for Chiefs fans um, because they're used to blowing out people. Listen, your, your offense right now does not have to be all-world with the way that your defense is playing, okay? You have Bingo. some time. You have some time to figure it out. Listen, I'm more I'm, – like, do you – Penalties. They had 12 penalties, 95 yards, three turnovers. Like, are you going to blame that in the offensive quarter? Like, the offensive quarter can only do so much. And and by the way, like, when they're game planning for the week, like, Andy Reid has a really cool process. The process is, hey, it's me and it's OC and the quarterback coach. That's who comes up with the plays. This is what we think. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's Andy Reid who has a say on what plays are put in. Okay? So these plays work. Those plays don't. Listen, they're trying to figure out who they are. And I've said this multiple times to anyone I've talked to is they're trying to figure out who they are as an offense. Teams usually take four to five games to find out their identity in offense. Right now, the Chiefs don't have it. Travis Kelsey's not 100% healthy. Juwan Taylor, like five penalties, got bit. Like all this stuff is going on. Guess what? They're still one and one and beat on the road at a very tough place to play. Because I know in a team that's going to be really good in the AFC this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they went down there and got a W because of their defense. If anything, Chiefs fans should be excited about it. No, I agree. Um, listen, real quickly, I've always said the only team that can beat the Chiefs is the Chiefs, and I think we've seen yeah. that in two games. Like, if Kadarius Tony again, had hands, they win that Lions game by 10 points. Uh, if Juwan Taylor doesn't have three penalties when they have a first and goal from the 10, they probably win by 13 or 14 points. You know, if Justin Watson doesn't drop a, a fumble uh, after a first down catch, if Richie yeah. James doesn't muff a punt inside the 15-yard line, which led to three points, like the yeah. only team that can beat the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And, and to, to your point about the defense, and we talked about it a little bit, Chris Jones was a monster in that game. Let's think about what the Chiefs' defense has done through the two games of the season. They held the Lions, one of the highest-scoring offenses in the NFL a year ago, and will be again this year after what we saw. Yep. They held the Lions to 14 points. They held Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, uh, Travis Etienne, Evan Ingram to three field goals, bro. Like this, yeah. this is the best defense the Chiefs have had under Andy Reid at any time in his tenure. And as soon as Mahomes and those guys get in sync, the Chiefs are going to steamroll people. I totally agree. And the biggest thing for me of the takeaway from the Jacksonville game 
was the che- the Jacksonville Jaguars were a big goose egg, o for four in the red zone. If yeah. teams can't score touchdowns against the Chiefs, the Chiefs might run the table. Like like yeah. it's just be honest with you with Mahomes. If Mahomes stay healthy yeah. and they don't allow touchdowns in the red zone, I mean, yeah. it's it's impressive. It's impressive what they're doing. Yeah, I just think there's a little coordination that needs to be getting with the offense because there's a bunch of new receivers and Travis is there. Takes time. And he made a, he made yeah. a big difference on third down, so we'll we'll do yeah. that. So, okay, so we got a lot more we get into, but uh, you know, you have a beard and it's a good beard. I mean, it's a fine beard. It's a beautiful. Uh, it's better than fine, Trey. It's better sweater. than fine. Yes, it's it's, it's, it's full and it's flowing and it covers you completely. But we have a better beard joining the show. And ladies and gentlemen, let's bring him in now. Ladies and gentlemen, now joining us on this episode of Chasing It, none other than the unofficial mascot of the NFL, Ryan Fitzpatrick is here. Yes! Let's go, Fitzmagic, baby. I love it. What's up, dudes? Chase, you already got a show named after you? That's huge, man. (laughs) It's it's all Trey, you know. Trey wanted to call it Winging It, and then we ended up with Chasing It. So, it's all good. Okay, that is a lie. That is a lie, (laughs) and I will call you out on your lie, because the the company said they wanted to call it. And I said, oh, I like Chasing It better, and that's what we went with. We're, we're company men. We're company men. Yeah. Oh, he believes you. You, you freaking quarterbacks, man. But anyway, quarterbacks before together, we get man. into anything, before we get into anything, I want to get into the text message that got Ryan on the show because I think there are two <laughs> kinds of people that do texts, and apparently Ryan and I are different kinds of people. I texted him on Sunday and said, "Hey, man, can you jump on the show with I'm doing with Chase Daniel? 15 minutes, uh, we could, uh, noon to whatever. We'll tape it this time, but whatever be flexible. So 24 hours go by." And I don't hear anything. So then on Monday, I sent a follow-up text, which simply read, Hey, bud, just, just making sure you got this. And then almost immediately, he texted me, Yeah, let me know. Gosh, you're so pushy. <laughs> <laughs> you, had me, you had me at Chase. You know, you had me at Chase. But sometimes I was at soccer games in Tucson. So, you yeah. know, I was, I was locked in, ready to go, and I just forgot to text you back. So I appreciate it. You have seven rest. kids, right? Or seven? He has like 30, 37 children. He, he yeah. has as many kids as teams he played for, I think, is Unbelievable. Is. Pretty much, yeah. So, they were all so, born in different cities, so. Well, that's, that's just wild. a testament. That, that's a testament to your willpower and your stamina, if you know what I mean. Um <laughs> So, so I guess, are there two kinds of, because I get a text, I, I try to respond right away. And there are other people that don't do that, like Brian is one of those. For example, if you, if, if, if you text me and I don't respond, uh, that means I don't want to talk to you, ever. <laughs> and, and, well. And, I know, I was a little hurt, Ryan. All the things <laughs> we've been through, when you wanted to pass the CBA, you didn't have social media. Who did you text your video to to put it out there? Yeah. Okay. So I. I mean, I've already done your podcast. So how many times am I going to owe you for that one text? <laughs> Zero. None. None. No. no, 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 you, no I, you. I enjoy. I enjoy talking to you. So I'm happy to be on. <laughs> All right. So. So we were sort of joking when we said off the top, you are the unofficial mascot of the NFL. But I think that kind of happened. Chase, wouldn't you agree? Like somewhere in his career, he went from the plucky seventh round pick out of Harvard to like the unofficial. Hey, it's Ryan. Look at him. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and honestly, like I got a story to tell, and this is hilarious because we were just talking about your, your, your years in Buffalo from 2009 to 2012. Um, I was talking to someone about this. When you were, in my opinion, playing some of the best, most exciting ball you've ever played, okay? The quarterback room in New Orleans in 2009, it was Brunel, me, and Breeze. And then it was Breeze and I for three more years. Every single week, on Tuesday, before we started our film study, we were throwing Ryan Fitzpatrick film. And we would watch, and there would be some of the most amazing throws and amazing plays you'd ever see. We ended up, I don't know if you knew this, we ended up nicknaming you the Honey Badger because the Honey Badger just don't <laughs> give a shit. And literally, <laughs> Drew called it, and we would just go through your plays and be like, holy cow, like what in the world? It was the best thing in the world. Yeah, it was uh, It was a lot of fun, dude. I, I you know, had one of those careers where I was all over the place and I really just got to go out there and play. And there was a lot of stuff that was unorthodox. There were a lot of risks that were taken, but I know that the, uh, the guys that I played with always loved me because they always knew I was going to give them a chance. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun throughout the years. It, it, it really was. I mean, so, so, but when did you feel that? Like, when did you feel the, the transition from yourself 
to like being, okay, here's, here's a guy who can play, come in, start four games for us, whatever, do this, do that, get opportunities, to being sort of, hey, it's that Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic guy, pew, pew, pew. Like, what, when did that happen? <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, so after my time with the Bills, um, I got cut after the 2012 season, went to Tennessee, and then went to Houston in 2014. So being able to learn from Bill O'Brien and George Gottsey, that New England offense in 2014 shifted kind of my perspective. And, you know, I would even go back and watch some of the Bills games like you, Chase, and be like, whoa, this is yeah. I'm telling you, this, this is, is insane. wild. Yeah, yes. and uh, I, I feel like that really helped me throughout my career. 2015, I was with the Jets, probably had my best season. Uh, 2016, awful season, was totally done with football. Uh, just sucked the life out of me that whole season. So after 2016, everything from then on out was just icing on the cake. And uh, ended up going to Tampa. I had the, the start in 2018 when Jameis was suspended, where I went 400, 400, 400. Chase, were you in, were you in New Orleans? No, he was, 2018, no, Chicago. Chicago. He was in Chicago. But everyone saw it. Don't worry. Everyone watched that. That was it, me and Mitch Trubisky. Like, we, we put on those. Yeah, but that was like so. So that that 2016 year when I thought I was done with football and wanted nothing to do with it, um, the rest of my career after that it was just icing on the cake and really enjoyed all of it. Yeah, and, and I think it was honestly after one of the uh, after one of those three 400 yard games uh, when you put on Deshaun Jackson's outfit and your chest hair matched your beard. I, I, I like if I if I had to pin it down, I think that's the one where like hey. This, this is the guy, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that changed the trajectory, not of my career, but maybe just the way that people viewed me. Because uh, in 2011, I think, is where Fitzmagic kind of started. We beat a couple teams early, Patriots and uh, last-second win versus Oakland. But then it really caught fire after that Deshaun moment. And, you know, some yeah. of the commercials that I've done and things like that, a lot of it is pointed towards that, like, funny little moment. Um but yeah, that definitely changed. Maybe I no longer became like the Harvard nerd or whatever people knew me as, but uh, more of more of that moment. Yeah, um, I feel like you really embraced it though too. Like you've you've completely embraced it. Like my my question is like how, like from your career, seventeen years, like did you end up wanting to like go into media or did it just sort of get thrown in your face? Like I'm going to be good at this. And that, that was my turning point. I'm like, dude, this guy has got a, a hell of a career outside of just playing quarterback. I never honestly, and this is, it's very honest. Like I never even thought about it. I was in the moment trying to figure it out every year. Okay. Where are we moving to? What schools are my kids going to, you know, what soccer teams are we signing up for? And I just try to live in the moment everywhere we were. And then I got hurt my last year in Washington and kind of had yep. that whole season on IR of like, okay, I think this is the end. What's the next step going to be? Um, and just the timing of Amazon starting up their Thursday night stuff, um, just it couldn't have been better. Uh, I could not be happier than where I am right now with the team I'm with but also just being a part of Amazon and Chase, we were talking about this before we came on, but like that culture and being able to meet some of the people, not just that are in that production that we do, but just around the buildings and such an amazing place with so many talented people. It's, it's a lot of fun to be with. Well, yeah, you and I actually texted and talked about that because you were trying to figure out whether or not you wanted to do it. Right. So what, what made, what made this, the choice you made the right choice? Well, I think at that point it was, if I don't do this, and what am I going to do? Like, what else am I going to do? So um, yeah. I decided, I decided to dive into it and try it, not knowing if I was going to like it or not. And uh, I'll tell you, I think, I think one of the big things with what we do with the pre, half, and post game show, instead of being an in studio show, we are there on site. So, for example, last week in Philly. That we were outside first for the first half hour of our show, but that crowd was so unbelievable. To, so to be able to be in that and to feel that, and you know, to just get a great vibe. Crazy enough, I never played in Philadelphia in the regular season of my career. I played the Eagles seven times, so that was the first time I had been able to feel that atmosphere and be in it. Um, but being a part of these games on site, getting to talk to players and coaches and old trainers it, it just 
I can't go uh, I can't go wrong um, sticking with this and really enjoying it because uh, we had a great year last year and the cast was really fun too. A bunch of clowns. Well, yeah, I, I think there's something. Uh, yeah, it, well, it just seems like yeah, it just seems like you've like, and we've talked about it. Like you said, it just seems like being on site at the games is like where it's at, and that's like the closest thing to being yeah. able to play. Right. It's like the you get to see all the people that you were with. You get to see all the trainers, the, the relationship. And I tell this I tell this to people all the time. It's like, hey, the, the thing I miss the most so far, and I'm sure you can say the same, is the relationships with people. Right. And it might not just be the players. It might be the coaches, the janitors, the equipment staff. Did you have your any favorite players or teammates or coaches that you had for all your stops? I mean, so many. And last year, you know, just to name a few, you know, they ask, I don't really like to, to be the guy that's interviewing, you know, and so yeah. when they ask me to do it, I say, look, if, it, if there's a strong personal connection that I have with somebody, I would love to do it. You know, if there's not, then I don't know if that's my cup of tea. So last year, to be able to sit down with Tua and talk to him, be able to sit down with Josh Allen, be able to you know, walk and talk with Mike Evans as he came into the stadium. There's some guys that I've got some great relationships with um, that really, hopefully that shows, you know, when I do those interviews on camera. Well, and that, well, that's something, that, Trey, also, sorry, to, but like, yeah. Ryan, your, your first game ever doing Thursday Night Football, do you remember what it was? Because it was with us. And do you remember the, yeah. it was the Chiefs? Versus the Chargers, you came out, and I remember you going into this quarterback huddle because we did a quarterback competition. You were like, guys, I really don't want to, like, be annoying, but I just, like, we got to get this on film. Like, what are you doing? Like, you no. know, how, like, how, is it, how has it been since then? Because, as you know, I mean, right, you're, you're part of the media now, but I thought, you did, I thought you went about it really, really well. Dude, that was so weird because I was like standing outside of your guys' facility, like hoping to be let in, you know, like, <laughs> like it was just like, OK, I guess I guess I'm on the outside now. But, you know, that one wasn't great because, as you know, Justin Herbert, like oh. aside from getting paid for doing these commercials, wants nothing to do with having Zero. his face yeah. anywhere. Yeah. So the whole gig was to go talk to Justin little throwing competition for fun and as soon as the camera came on he was like dude and i I was like well this is gonna make for great tv yeah well (laughs) justin came in the quarterback room and he was like chase do you know fitzpatrick because he wants to sit down with me and talk and he was like can you and easton be there and can everyone else be there because i really don't want to do it but i think he's a good guy so i want to do it that was the exact conversation that went on and it was like, it, it was like, you know, with the media staff there, it's like, okay, like you guys know he's not going to talk. So like, why are we doing this? But it was like, we, we tried to make a 20 second clip out of it, but I felt so defeated after that. Like, <laughs> what do you do when the quarterback goes, mm, 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 and then as yeah. he walked off, he said, dude, sorry, dude, sorry. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. just go get paid for a couple commercials and, you know, do your thing, you know? See, I, I think we all missed a golden opportunity here, Chase. Uh, or you, you could have said, yeah, Fitzpatrick's a dick. Like, don't, don't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's not, though. That's the thing. Like, you're the nicest human being, like, in, in, in the world. And some quarterbacks can yeah. be like that. But, I mean, dude, yeah. you, were, you went about it really well, I thought. It was awesome. Um, yeah, I, right, so I've, I've abstained from doing any more of those because that one was an absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, but you can only go up. So, like, you, right. you start low right. so you can finish high. Um, and, and let's finish high cause, uh, here because I know we don't want to take too much of your time up. But, um, you know, a, a lot of – I talk to a lot of people when they think about the game when they played, right? And they think about a certain way and they see it a certain way. And then they go into what you've gone into, media, broadcasting, and you see it differently. Looking, for, looking at the game, like you said, as an outsider now, as opposed to someone that's inside the huddle, inside the white lines, putting the helmet on, knowing what happens – how different is your sort of appreciation or understanding of the game? Uh, I'll say two things to that. One is when I stand, like when we're at our little set and I'm watching these guys run around and hit, I'm like, how yeah. the hell did I do that for 17 yeah. years? I mean, it is yeah. absolutely crazy. It's such a vicious game. But the way that I prepare now, I like to watch the TV cuts, so those condensed version of the TV cuts, rather than the All-22. And if there's something I need to dive into with the All-22, like, uh, 
you know, Justin Fields, okay, he's struggling. We're going to have to talk about him in a couple weeks. I really need to dive into what's happening, what the concepts are. But in general, I'm trying to watch the game like the viewer watches it right now. And I'm trying to take yeah. away what I can, but by the way, the viewer is also seeing it. So um, I, I think, you know, when you first get into it, you want to be right all the time and you want to make sure everything you say comes true. And, and that's not necessarily the best thing. The best thing is, you know, I want to give a different perspective. I want to be entertaining. And, you know, with that, like if I'm going to throw a stat out or I need to watch the all 22, that's fine, but less stat heavy. People yeah. don't want to hear that. Just my observations can usually be backed up by stats, but like if I'm observing something, I'm just going to provide that perspective to the viewer. I think that's a great point because wow. so many people that sort of make the transition from playing to being an analyst think that that's what they have to be. Yeah. Listen, listen to him. Listen to the better beard, Chase. I listen know. to the no, better dude, beard. I had the to, best I had advice I've heard. Last year. I had to learn yeah. that last year. Like I'm sitting there like, okay, uh, PFF or uh, next gen stats from Amazon. Like tell me how many passes he's thrown within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Like who cares, right? Yeah, I mean, we're all we, they have people. And watching. Yeah. yeah, they have people. They have people for that. Okay, your your whole thing is because you see the game differently, and that's what makes it interesting for people. This is what I saw, as opposed to what like Teddy Bruschi once said the greatest thing in the world. He said, you know, if you take your eyes off the football, you'll learn a lot about football. And, and those are the perspectives that I think uh, people that's want great. from the, you guys that have played the game forever. So, uh, speaking of forever. 30 years of NFL experience in the, in the league between the three of us. I mean, I think that's remarkable. Absolutely <laughs> remarkable. Between the three yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chase, Chase, how many times did you go to the playoffs? Oh, dude, I went. Jeez. So I think we ended up going eight out of 13 years. See, eight out of 14. You're hurting awesome. him. Why, why did you even answer that question? Because you know what he's going to say. He's, you're hurting him right now. Trey, you're Trey, say him. it for me. Trey, uh, say it for me, Trey. Big dog nut. Nothing. Zip, no, zero no. zilch. No, we have eight years between the three of us. Eight years. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Sorry. Yes. yes. Eight. One yes. Super Bowl between the three of I us. Did, one Super Bowl. I did, one Super Bowl. I, did, yeah. I did not take the bait. You are correct. Eight years of playoff experience, quarterback in the NFL between the three of us. But listen, even if you didn't get to the postseason, you went from a plucky seventh rounder to making commercials with Kevin frickin' yeah. Hart, man. Kevin <laughs> Hart. That's hilarious. That's amazing. Hey, which, by the way, by the way, yeah. I didn't know the magic of TV when we did that. I brought two of my daughters because they wanted to meet the guy from Jumanji and I read the script yeah. I said oh yeah and so we did an eight-hour shoot at the Rose Bowl and Kevin Hart was not there and my daughters yeah. after the first hour were like oh my God. what are you dad where is he is he coming or not like so I, had, I took a selfie with him because he was on set with us in Philly and I yeah. said look I actually have met him he is real you know yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, there's Fitz magic and there's television magic and Fitz magic yeah. is way better than television yeah. magic I think that's what we've learned <laughs> Well, look, Ryan, keep killing it, man. We appreciate you joining us and uh, continued success, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Right, always good to catch up with Ryan, but now I know I, 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 it's like the double tap in Zombieland. I got to double text him to make sure he gets it. I mean, right? Thanks There's some me. people like that. I'm a one text Seven. guy, and if I don't respond, like, yeah. I don't like you. You're, you're dead. Yeah, you're dead. Or I'll do this a day <laughs> later. Hey, somehow I missed this, bro. Sorry. Yeah, right. Every, everyone has their phone 24-7. You know who's texting what. It's the passive-aggressive way of saying, I don't want to deal with your shit right now. I just don't want to deal with your shit. So a day later, hey, man, sorry. Yeah, All right, sorry. moving on. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Let's do a little rapid fire as, as we wrap Ooh, up the okay. show today. Okay, Geno Smith. Was he lucky or good? in that win over the Detroit Lions because I thought he made one of the biggest boneheaded plays yeah. of all of week two, which allowed that game to go to overtime. It's right around the two-minute warning. He's running around. Just throw it away. Instead, he takes an enormous sack, which means they have to punt from basically inside their end zone, which allowed the Lions to tie up the game. And eventually, hey, give Geno credit. He threw some dimes in overtime to get the win, but, but he was a little lucky there. Uh, he was lucky on one play, and that's why yeah. I, I watched the whole game, and he was lucky on one play. Like, he wants that play back. But overall, he was not only good, he was very good against a very good Detroit Lions team. Okay, and that's something that 
He threw for th- over 380 yards, and people don't realize, like, to win on the road, I don't care who you are or where you're at or what you're doing, but Geno Smith, and we don't talk enough about him because his week one performance was just okay, but I thought he stood out in a lot of the games for them, for the Seahawks to go 1-1 one one versus 0-2. Oh he was the reason why they went, uh, why they're 1-1 one one right now. All right, so then let's talk about the Giants. Again, at the, ha- at the half of the game in Arizona, the Giants had played six quarters and been outscored 60 to nothing. I love First that of all, you know, my, my, one of my favorite things is people talk about halftime adjustments. You know? Can mm. we just can we expose that myth? Halftime adjustments are this much. They're this much, right? You, yeah, you're getting yeah. a sandwich, you're taking a leak, you're taking a shit, whatever you got to do. And they say, hey, we're going to try this play. So there's no, there's no Grand Inquisitor halftime adjustment wizard, right? So let's, just, let's just pull the cover back yeah, there. Yeah. It's like you've been it, in some locker rooms or something, man. You know yeah. exactly what goes on. Shit does uh, not exist. Okay, guys, yeah. here's the whole new game plan we're going to start. But I, what I will say about Dayball is give him credit because there was every reason for the Giants to think we have no effing chance to win because we have sucked for six quarters. And somehow he got them to believe that they still had an opportunity to win, and they did win. So I got to give him credit for that. I mean, I have no idea what the Cardinals were doing in the second half. Or should I they say— They were being the Cardinals— the- yeah, but, but like, like to me, and, and a lot of people would find this interesting take, but to me, like, this saved their season. Because if they're 0-2, they're going on the road Thursday night to play at San Fran. They're losing that game. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. You're without Saquon. They're losing that game. Like, if they go 0-3 back to New York, like, somehow, some way to find the confidence, to find the – I mean, it's not fun when you're down like that at halftime. It's their yeah. biggest comeback win since 1949. They're avoiding yeah. an 0-2 start. To me, Daniel Jones, finally, it just looked like a different player. It finally, like, okay, we've sucked so bad for the first six quarters of the season. Like, let me just go ahead and turn it on right here for you. And yeah. um, finally got Waller involved. Finally got everyone up. Like, it just it, it started to click, and they were unstoppable in the second half okay. of the game. It, it almost felt to me, and Dayball has denied it, but it almost felt to me, Chase, like he said, F it, I'm calling the plays in the second half. Yeah, that's what I heard. This play calling controversy. I just, I just heard it this morning. I mean, listen, I'm, yeah. it's Dayball's offense. I heard Daniel yeah. Jones say that today on the Hey K Adam show. Uh, but yeah. Kafka obviously comes from the Chiefs, and he's been calling plays. So, who knows? Like I've had a lot of that situation where sometimes Andy would call him, sometimes Andy would give it to BNB to call, sometimes BNB. It's just you know, and sometimes it happens. Like, hey, in the quarter, I'm just taking it, and it it sure yeah. did look like there was something else different about the play calls in the second half. Very, very different in the second. All that is a long way of getting to this rapid fire, which isn't that rapid fire. Which is uh, the Giants found. We find. We, I still believe the Giants are bad. We just yeah. think the Cardinals are worse. So, what are the Giants' prospects if Saquon misses three games? I think they play Miami, San Francisco in that stretch. Like they could be really behind the eight ball really quickly here. Yeah, I mean, it's Saquon. It's, it's probably their most important player outside of Daniel Jones on offense. The defense has to play a lot better. They got to get on the same page. They got to do some stuff outside of their comfort zone. But Saquon, I mean, Saquon's a 20, 25 touch a guy, especially this past year or two. Uh, uh, so you lose that. It's just, once again, another running back injury that we talked about earlier in the show. It's just, it's sad. It sucks. Yeah. All right, so let's go back to the Jacksonville game because they were in it all the way to the end. If the, if the end zone was 11 yards, they would have had four touchdown passes. But four. their their receivers need to know that it's not 11 yards. Uh, yeah, if, if the end zone was 11 yards, Dan Orlovsky would not be a meme. So, you know, uh, I get it. I understand that. Um, my, <laughs> yeah, but, but my question is, it's 17-9, to 9, about five minutes to play. They have a backward pass, uh, which is correctly challenged by the Chiefs. It's called a lateral. So it goes from 4th and 10 to a 4th and 12. I get it. You need a touchdown and an extra point to tie. But there's almost five minutes left in the game. You have three timeouts and the the two-minute warning. They opt to go for it on 4th and 12. And that essentially ended the game because the Chiefs ran out the clock. Okay? And and maybe maybe that's the most important thing to focus on here because the Chiefs ran out the clock. But if I'm Doug Peterson, if I kick a field goal here, it's 17 to 12. The Chiefs have not dominated us offensively. They've made mistakes. Our defense is held in. Let me get the ball back with a chance to win with just a touchdown instead of hoping for a touchdown and a two-point conversion. I did not understand that thought process. I tweeted, I tweeted about it right when it happened. I said, kick a field yeah. goal. Just kick a field yeah. goal. Get the momentum going. A touchdown 
wins the game, a touchdown and a two-point conversion makes it a three, like a three-point game, and, and Casey's got to go down on that defense and, and go score, which they really weren't moving the ball until the second half. So um, interesting decision by Dougie, yeah. Dougie Fresh to me. Do you think it was the right decision or the wrong decision? No, wrong, completely yeah. wrong. Yeah. I think yeah, he kicked, I just, the goal. kicked the field goal. And again, I get it. He's justified or bailed up by the fact that they didn't stop him. And I, and, I, yeah. and, I, and I get it, but I mean, I'm still taking the points and, and then your team feels better. Like there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a part of this. Okay. You got points, you got closer. How dejected yes. were they when they got nothing right? That, that factors into this as well. Totally. And, and it's like, Hey, like on the sideline, it's a completely different beast. If you are truly a touchdown away from possibly winning the game with a two minute warning and three timeouts, the, the vibe, the feel on the, on the sideline much better like hey let's go down and score a touchdown to not only uh yeah. beat but beat the best team in the nfl yeah, yeah. all right so yeah we, we're in agreement there they should have kicked a field goal speaking of field yep. goals the rams with time running out in this game against the 49ers as they lost their ninth straight regular season meeting yes they won the nfc championship game a year ago i get that but kyle shanahan owns sean McVay and the rams nine yep. straight regular season games they beat them they kicked a field goal to cut the lead from 10 to 7 the spread was seven and a half. Why do you kick the field goal? Like, I get, there's not a point different. Is there, is there a point differential basis that is a tiebreaker for a division crown? I mean, I, maybe I, I like the 15th tiebreaker. Yeah, like that was weird because a lot well, of money changed hands on that oh, field goal being made from, so the, oh, lead, the, the lead went from 10 to seven and the spread was seven and a half. Dude, it was it was the most interesting thing to me that happened when I saw him lining up for a field goal with like two seconds left. I'm I'm thinking, like, what are you what's doing? happening? And then Mark Sanchez is on the broadcast saying, "Oh, bad beat, bad beat." Like I was <laughs> loving listening to him, and he ends up making it. And it and then to add to the drama, Darren Ravel from I don't even know who he's with right now, but the the number one gambling um, reporter in all of football, he was trying to get into the press conference from Sean McVay yesterday. They wouldn't yeah. let him in. I'm just saying. That, just saying. That's a little weird. That's a little crazy. That 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 was nuts, man. I mean, like the Chiefs, for example, finished that game on the like the two yard line against the Jags, and they could have had a courtesy touchdown to make themselves feel better. They're like, no, we're good. We're moving on. Yeah. It was weird, and yeah, the world weird. noticed. All right. Speaking of uh, the world noticing, uh, the the Dolphins, who might be the best two and O team, walk into New England and come away with a big Sunday night win. And afterwards, Ty Hill says Pat fans may be the worst in football. Do you agree? Well, what do you think? Because... I think no. Well, well, here, I'll answer. You asked you ask me, so I'll answer. Yeah. I don't think they're the worst fan base in football. I think they're the most disingenuous fan base in football. Because I think half of the people that claim to be Patriots fans didn't know the Patriots existed before 2001. Okay? Yeah. If you're a yeah. fan, if you're a fan, okay, if you're a freaking fan of a team, fan is short for fanatic. If you're, if you're a... If you're a uh, Patriots fan, you need to know who Mac Heron is. You need to know who Steve Grogan is. You need to know who, who Scott Sisson is, who Tom Tupa is. Okay, oh you, you, need to, you need to know who these guys are. Uh, Irving Fryer. If you know who Irving Ooh. Fryer was yeah, when he played for the Patriots, then you're a fan. There are a lot of bandwagon fans in New England that have just enjoyed a great two decades and they decided to be a part of the fun. So that's, yeah. that's my beef with Patriots fans because nobody was going to those games at one of the worst stadiums in the NFL for 30 years, okay? So Nobody you're was showing them up. Bandwagon fans is what you're I'm, calling. I'm calling them uh, recency bias fans. <laughs> okay. okay? Right. So um, that's yeah. that's what New England. So I, like I don't that. think they're the worst fans in football. I think they're the most bandwagony fan base in football. Yeah, I don't think they're the worst either. I, I think that he was probably caught up in the moment. Stuff happened. I mean, my my wife went to a divisional playoff game in 20, man, 15 Chiefs versus. Patriots, or yeah, we ended up losing that game, Alex Smith game. I think we lost it by eight. And she said she had a good experience. So I can only base my experiences at these stadiums with, with stuff my wife goes to. I would say, like, the way we were treated in Philly is a lot worse than she was treated in uh, the Patriots. At the Patriots. You, you, you would not be alone there. And look, obviously, Eagles fans hate it when you say this, but like, there's a reason there was a jail at the old vet. Okay. There was a reason the jail was there. They had a jail at the stadium. Uh, and there might be this, this might be a softer, gentler version of Eagles fans now that they have a nice stadium and they have a Super Bowl title. Bullshit. I, I think they're probably, yeah, you have to be able to handle it the right way. But if you, if they think they're getting to you, you are, 
you are it's like feeding meat to a hungry Rottweiler. Okay, you are toast. Oh my if if you can't handle it, they will stay on you until you. Cr- they want to make you cry. Oh, yeah, they want to yeah, make you cry, and they want to physically hurt you at times. Uh, so I would have to put the Eagles. I will put the Jets in there as the most entitled fan base. You guys have Ooh, won okay. nothing since like Super it. Bowl three. Super yeah. Bowl three, yeah. and you keep thinking you're relevant, and then every season you prove to us that you're not. Every That's year, so funny. That's, that's Every a good year. point. That's a good point. All right, listen, our, our last rapid fire, and I'm going to ask oh. this one because you wanted to talk oh. about it so much. Okay, look, Shut everyone up. saw Shut up. Everyone saw the rumors and everyone saw about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And even the, the, the play-by-play announcer for the Chiefs game when Travis Ian Kelsey Eagle. caught the touchdown, Ian, Ian Eagle, Eagle said, blank spaces in reaction to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey dating. And honestly, Travis Kelsey did nothing to debunk those rumors. Is Taylor Swift, Trey Wingo, is Taylor Swift a good fit for Travis Kelsey? Here's the only answer I can give you. I do not fucking care. Okay? I could, of all the things in the world I could care about, I don't know if I could care about this less. I don't give a shit. Okay, Travis, if you want to feel like you're 22, have at it. To me, (laughs) I I don't care. And I said on the text chain with our producer Chinch and you, you little gossip whores, I do not care. You guys were all into it. Like, oh, this is so fun. I get stupid. I don't care. I don't care. If he wants to date Travis, if he wants to date Taylor Swift and then move on to Rihanna and whatever, go for it. I do not care. I want to watch Travis catch touchdowns. That's all I care about. Oh my Do you gosh. really care? I can't care? even give an answer to are you, that. I can't are you even really, give an answer to that. Are you really interested in this? Are you really interested I mean, in this? My wife is, and I know Travis. That's not the question. Would, would, would be, it would be the best power couple I've seen in a long time. Although, differing personalities, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But I don't know what what Taylor is, but I do know that Kelsey did nothing to debunk those rumors. Listen, and again, I have nothing against Taylor Swift and I have nothing against Travis Kelsey. But in my world, just don't give a shit. Just don't care. (laughs) I love it. it. That's the most honest answer I can give you. And on that note, we will say goodbye (laughs) for this episode of Chasing It. We'll be back next week with more guests and uh, JJ Chase Daniels is the one you're mad at.